Today we're in week two of a series called Ignite. And last week I started out by asking the question, what would it look like if we really, really believed everything God said? If we really believed in all the things that God said and we lived those things out in our lives, what would that look like? What would faith on fire look like? What would faith that was sparked by God's Holy Spirit look like in today's world? What would it look like to really live live our lives with conviction? And this whole series is about igniting our faith. For some of us, it's reigniting our faith. For others that may not know Christ, it's igniting our faith and getting to know more about Christ and more about what this relationship with Him means. Last week I told you a story about how I bought a barbecue grill and I ended up burning up my backyard with that barbecue grill. And uh, some of you actually came up and asked me, did that really happen? As if I would tell you a story that wasn't true, but it really did happen. I really did burn up my backyard and I'm not a pyromaniac, so when I tell you this next story, uh, just remember that. Your kids are safe with me, your house is safe when I'm there. When I was 18 years old, I got a call from my mom. I was at a friend's house, and she said, Donnie, our house is on fire. I was like, on fire? What what do you mean on fire? And she said, totally, completely engulfed in flames. I was like, you mean everything? She said, yep, everything. My my prized possessions, my, my drum set, my trophies, my pictures, all that stuff, all that stuff is gone? She said, yeah. So I drive home the next day, and I go down my street, and all there is, there's smoke everywhere, and literally a flat pile of ashes. Everything was just completely burned up and completely consumed. My mom was never the same after that because she was home when the fire started. So for the rest of all of her life up until now, she is still paranoid that the house is going to catch on fire. One night she was at our house here in North Carolina and she wakes up, Cindy and I, in the middle of the night and says, I smell smoke. And I was like, you do not, oh, you do smell smoke. So I go downstairs, open up my garage door and it's full of smoke. And I'm really not a pyromaniac, I promise. And, and my electrical panel had just started to melt. It had short-circuited and melted. And we caught it before any fire erupted. We can learn a lot from going through a fire. We can learn a lot in going through not a literal fire, but the fires that come into our lives, the things that hurt, the things that challenge. We can learn a lot through those things. Some of us, maybe we have no flame in our life at all. Maybe our spiritual flame has gone out. Our emotional, our relational, our financial has just been completely fizzled out. And through this whole series, what we're trying to communicate is God's Holy Spirit can come into our lives and ignite things in us. Last week, we talked about igniting conviction. And today I want to talk to you about igniting confidence. In the Old Testament, there's a story about three guys that went through a fiery time in their life. That went through some challenges, that went through some difficulties. 
Let me set the historical background for you. It was 600 years before the birth of Christ, and King Nebuchadnezzar was on the throne in Babylon. And what the king did, he went into Jerusalem, he went to Israel, and he took all the brightest, the best, the best looking, the smartest, the strongest guys, and he brought them to Babylon to serve him. And he made them and tried to force them to leave their culture behind. And he brought them into Babylon. This is all recorded in Daniel chapter 3. There's some folks right now coming down the aisles with Bibles. I want you to grab one if you don't have one. We believe that the words in there will lead you into a relationship with Christ and will convince you that He's the way, the truth, and the life. So if you don't have one, raise your hand, smile, give you one. If you forgot yours today, feel free to take one as well. But the king had brought all these bright men into his service. And that's where this story begins. There were three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If you like veggie tales, you know them as Rack, Shack, and Benny. But these three guys went through the fire. And they had a choice, a choice whether they were going to have confidence in God and believe what God said or put their faith, trust, and confidence in something of this world other than God. There's several things we can learn from from the lives of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The first one is to be careful where you put your confidence. To be careful where we place our confidence, what we put our confidence in. These guys had every reason to have low confidence. They had been moved out of their homeland. The king had done everything possible to remove their Jewishness from them and turn them into Babylonians. They were forced to accept a culture they never asked for. They had every reason to do whatever this king said because he had taken everything away from them that they knew. In verse 1 it says, King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet high and 9 feet wide and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. A herald shouted, O people of all nations and languages, this is the king's command. When the band strikes up, you are to fall flat on the ground to worship the king, Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. The king was saying, all of you people, even you Jewish people, you people that don't even, that don't even accept my culture, you must worship this idol. When, a, when the band starts playing and you hear the music, you need to drop to the ground and you need to worship this idol, this beautiful golden idol, gold from head to toe that I've set up. Oh, and if you don't, you're going to get thrown into the furnace. You're going to be burned alive. And the king was smart. He made this idol out of gold because who doesn't like gold? Who wouldn't want a few more gold things? He thought that if he could make this idol big enough, excessive enough, extravagant enough, nice enough, shiny enough, perfect enough, then people would worship it. And that's just what they did. When they all heard the music, they heard the band playing, they stopped, and they worshipped. So what do, what do idols have to do with us? You think we have idols today? 
Idols are defined like this, something that is adored either blindly or excessively. The king knew that the gold could inspire adoration. Are there things in our world that, that we go to excess about? Are there things that we adore that we do that excessively? Some people adore money. Somebody was supposed to bring me a $100 bill. Do you have that with you? You got that $100 bill? No? Anybody got a $100 bill on them? <laughs> Do you? All right. Man. I know that was for the offering, but I'll give it back to you. <laughs> Look at that. The man is carrying around $100 bills. Some people... Don't you wish this was one of the days I was giving stuff away, like when I gave away that PDA a few weeks ago? Um, Some people put confidence in this. Some people think, if I can just have more of this, then life's going to be better. If I could just accumulate enough of these in a stack, then life's going to be better. If I could just put enough of these in the right place, wow, life would be great. I mean, this can't be an idol. It says right on the back, and God, we trust on it. How could that be an idol? But still, people live their lives adoring this excessively. Some of us got a lot of these. Some of us got a few of these. It doesn't matter how much you have. You can still end up worshiping this thing made out of paper that we've attached value to called money. And it can become an idol. Thank you, John. Appreciate that. Some people place confidence in their own ability. In their own ability to understand, their own ability to do, their own ability to achieve. And that's where some people place their confidence. I could not imagine placing all of my confidence in me because do y'all, does anybody goof up a lot besides me? Okay, so we're all a bunch of goofs. So how could we place our confidence, all of our confidence in ourselves? So our confidence can't be placed in things that are made. It can't be placed totally and completely in ourselves. Where should we place our confidence? You know, everybody else in this story, when they heard the music, they hit the deck and they worshipped this big golden idol. They did exactly what the king ask him to do. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, no, our confidence is in something greater than a golden statue. It's in something greater than whatever this king tells us to do. And even if it means our very lives, we are not going to bow down and worship this. We need to be careful where we place our confidence. Another thing we can learn from this story So we need to develop a disposition of confidence. This would have been the perfect time for them to say, everybody's doing it. Everybody else is worshiping this idol. Why shouldn't we just join in? Surely God wouldn't mind. I mean, He doesn't want us to be crispy critters in the fire. He wants us to live. He doesn't want us to be thrown into this fiery furnace and die. God knows we love Him. It would just be like, you know, one time. We'd just like kind of bow down and act like we were doing it. But they had confidence 
in the God that they worshipped. They had confidence that God would do what He said He would do. They didn't fall. They didn't give in to peer pressure. Peer pressure. I thought that was something only teenagers dealt with. We all deal with peer pressure. Every stage of life. Not just as a teenager. How many times have we watched how other people act and want to be like them or want to be accepted? I don't care if you're 14, 40, or 60. We all deal with peer pressure. And in every person's life here today, you've got a statue. Something that you look to for acceptance. Something you look to for joy. Something that you struggle with putting in place of God. Something that may get your attention. That may not seem all that bad, but in the end, it's just another idol. Listen to what these guys did. When they told the king they were not going to bow down, and the king found out they, weren't, they were not worshiping his idol, the king was furious. He was mad at him. In verse 16 it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we're not worried about what will happen to us. If we're thrown into the flaming furnace, our God is able to deliver us, and He will deliver us out of your hand, your majesty. Sorry, king, but our confidence is in something greater than what you've set up, greater than gold, and we are not going to bow down to it. Even if everybody else is doing it, no matter how good it looks, we are not going to do it. How do you develop that kind of confidence? How do you develop a kind of confidence that says, I don't have to be worried about what happens to me because I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to do what God wants me to do and it doesn't matter what happens. These guys are standing close to death and they're able to say, we're not worried about what happens to us. We're not afraid, but we're not going to worship your idol. They were able to say that because they had planned and decided long ago before the opportunity to even worship the idol was before them, they had decided they were worshiping no other God. So because they pre-planned what would happen, it didn't matter what the idol looked like. It didn't matter how enticing it was. It didn't matter what the consequences were if you didn't. They had decided, we are not going to bow down to this idol. There's two kinds of people, two, two kinds of ways people go through life. People go through life in a proactive mode, or reactive mode. Reactive people go through life just reacting to things. When something comes your way, you just react. When you get in a difficult situation, you just react. And then there are the people that go through life in the proactive mode. That try to look into the future and think, if I ever get in that situation, here's how I'm going to act. If I'm ever tempted with this, this is what I'm going to do. If somebody ever does this to me, this is how I'm going to act. And they're proactive, and proactive people think ahead about how they're going to act in a certain situation. And these three guys knew that before the statue was ever built, before the gold was ever laid, before the band ever started playing, they knew they were not going to bow down. So what are you going to do when you're tempted to do something dishonest in regards to money? Just change a number here and there. Just slide this over here and slide it over there and maybe the tax man won't know about it. 
What are you going to do when you're tempted to give your affection to somebody other than your spouse? What are you going to do when you're in a situation and you know it's gossip and you know you, you, know you shouldn't even be listening? What you do is decide before you ever get there what you're going to do. You decide before you ever allow yourself to get into that situation what you're going to do. So you know when you get in the middle of something that's difficult or you get in the middle of something where you have to decide between right and wrong, you've already pre-thought it out what you're going to do. For 12 years I worked with college students and I've talked and talked and talked about purity because that's such a difficult thing at that age. And teenagers, the way you stay pure is not waiting till you get in the middle of something to try to make a decision. You not wait till you're in a compromising situation and then say, oh, okay, I'm not going to do this. I used to say, you don't wait till the lights are out and the music's playing and you're on the couch and then decide to be pure. You make the decision a long time before you ever find yourself in that situation. So when it comes to our relationships and our finances and just our morality, we make the decision a long time before we ever get there. And that's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. They made the decision long before the king ever poured the gold. They knew who God was. They had confidence in who He was. And they were not going to bow down to any other being except God. What you think about now determines how you will act and react in the future. Compromise starts in your mind. In Philippians 4, verse 8, Paul said, in the New Testament, he said, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is excellent, whatever is praiseworthy, whatever, whatever you think about, think about these things. He's telling us what we need to put into our minds. The difference between compromise and confidence is in our mind. It starts in our minds. These guys had confidence. They had faith. Everybody has faith. Even if, you, even if today you're saying, I'm not sure if I believe in God. I'm not sure. Could Jesus really have been here? And I'm just not sure about all that. You still have faith in something. The people that worship the idol had faith. Just because we have faith in something doesn't make it true or false. It's just we have faith. The person that believes that the world was somehow created by this explosion and, and all these things getting together and rolling down a hill somewhere and, and finally forming this little organism and then finally up to man, that the person that believes that has to have faith. And those of us that believe that there's this all-knowing, all-loving all-powerful God that created the universe, we have faith too. It's the object of our faith. When I was in college, I had a professor. His name was Dr. Maybe. And that's how, and that's how he taught. It was like, maybe this, maybe that. But he gave us a book, and it was called, What Did Jesus Really Say? And it was color-coded. It had four different colors in it. And it was, the, it was Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels from the New Testament. And if, if the words... We're in black. Jesus did not say it. They just say people said that about him, but Jesus never said that. If the words were in gray, maybe said it, maybe didn't, just not sure. If the words were in pink, yeah, he probably said it, but we're really not sure. And if they were in red, we're almost positive Jesus said that. 
The only thing in red in that book is the Lord's Prayer. And he had faith in somebody that wrote this book and some man that put all these words together and said, this is all Jesus said. And the guy preached it with faith. So we can have faith in something that's completely and totally false. Or we can have confidence and faith in God and decide before we ever get in a situation how we're going to act. The last thing is, don't allow your circumstances to cause you to compromise. Just like peer pressure can cause us to compromise, so can fear pressure. So can being afraid. In verse 18, they're standing by the king. He's furious. They had just told him that, that they don't care what happens to, to, them, to them. If they're thrown in the furnace, okay. If they're not, okay. And listen what they say. After they had just said, God can save us. But they weren't afraid because they said, but even if he doesn't, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you've set up. They had every reason to be scared to death. They had every reason to say, oh, that feels kind of hot. I think I'll just go ahead and give a quick bow to the golden idol and then we'll get on with our lives. No, they said, we're not going to bow down. God can save us, but you know what? Even if he doesn't, even if something bad happens to me, even if something in my life just completely falls apart, even if somebody hurts me, even if I lose my job, it doesn't matter. Because, because God is God. And we're not going to compromise no matter what happens to us. When the heat was turned up, it showed what they were really made of. You know, when the heat's turned up in somebody's life, you can tell a lot about their character. You can tell a lot about where their confidence is. Even if He doesn't rescue us. They had confidence in God even when they didn't know the outcome. We like to know the outcome, right? We like to know what's coming. We like to anticipate and know what the outcome's going to be. But these guys were saying, we don't know what the outcome's going to be, but we just want you to know our confidence is still in God. They drew the line in the sand and they said, no further. And when the heat is turned up in our life, when things come our way, we need to draw the line in the sand, pre-think how we're going to act and say, that's it, no further, no way, not going to compromise. Listen what happened to them. Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury and his face became dark with anger at them. He commanded that the furnace be heated up seven times hotter than usual. He was saying, I'll show you who to ignore. I'll show you who to have trust in. And called for some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the fire. So they bound them tight with ropes and threw them into the furnace, fully clothed. And because the king, in his anger, had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames leaped out and killed the soldiers that threw them in. So they were thrown in to the roaring flames. They were tied up. Has something got you tied up today? Is there something in your life that's got you tied up? Your children rebellious? Lose another job? Looking for another job? Your marriage hanging by a thread? Your finances in the toilet? What's got you tied up? 
God comes along when we're tied up. And just like the fire burned the ropes off them, God allows fire in our lives to burn away what has us tied up. You've heard me tell the story about how a silversmith refines silver. He does it by passing it through the hottest part of the fire and he keeps passing it through and passing it through. And the way he knows when all the impurities are burned out, the way he knows when it's pure silver is he looks at it and he can see his reflection. And that's what God does with us. It's not always easy and sometimes painful. But God controls the temperature. And the Bible tells us that He will never let us be tempted beyond what we can bear. It's never going to burn you up. It's never going to do you in. Because God makes that promise. Fact is, we're all going to go through the fire. We're all tied up at times with insecurities, with doubt. But the decision we have to make is, am I going to let this fire burn me? Or refine me. The last point is grasp God's hand as you go through the fire. Verse 24 says, But suddenly as he was watching, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, Didn't we throw these men into the furnace? Yes, they said, we did indeed. Well, look, he shouted, I see four men unbound. The ropes have been burned off. Walking around in the fire, and they aren't even hurt by the flames, and the fourth looks like a god. Theologians, which I am not, say that this uh, and the fourth looks like a God is the first pre-incarnate appearance of Christ right there in the flames with these guys. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to open the door of the flaming furnace and yelled, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out. So they stepped out of the fire. Then the princes, governors, captains, counselors crowded around them and saw that the fire hadn't touched them, not a hair of their head was singed. Their coats were unscorched and they didn't even smell like smoke. No matter what you're going through, God says, let me go through it with you. No matter what the difficulty is in our lives, no matter how much fire we feel like we're having to go through, no matter how hard it is, God says, I will walk with you every step of the way. And the way God does that most of the time is through surrounding us with people that can love us, that can accept us, that we can build relationships with. That's why you hear us talk and talk and talk about getting involved with more than just this on Sunday morning. You hear us talk about getting in a life group, groups that meet in homes, that build relationships with each other. Because a fire, when a fire shared with friends is not as hot as a fire that you go through all alone. We can approach God with conviction and confidence. Like the guys in the story, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We can draw that line in the sand and say, I'm not going any further. I'm not going to compromise. And even though it can be painful, even though I've got to go through this fire, I know He's with me. And when He's with us, just like they stepped out of the fire unscorched, they stepped out of the fire okay, they stepped out of the fire better than when they went into it, we can do the same thing. Even if you're in the middle of the most difficult time in your life, let God's Holy Spirit 
spark in you confidence in knowing that He's with us no matter what happens.